Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, we have begun our season of stewardship, and, uh, and uh, this year we are really, uh, um, during this season, and I want to thank everybody who's gotten their pledge in so far, and uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't, to really do so. You know, uh, it's interesting, this year we are continuing the cause and celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, and uh, the 5 o'clock service we've done, we've changed it up to be a choral evensong, which was a service that was created by Thomas Kremner, the first uh, Protestant Archbishop of Canterbury. And, uh, and uh, we are continuing the cause of that great message of the Reformation uh, 500 years later here. And that's the title of our sermon series, Continuing the Cause. And if you remember, last week Jay touched on uh, the idea of uh, sola scriptura, the Bible alone. And today I'm going to touch on that great doctrine, um, uh, uh, sola Christus, Christ our only mediator. Now, there was a great theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr, and he once actually preached out of our sister church, St. George's. He preached a message on original sin, and he said that original sin is the only empirically verifiable doctrine of the Christian faith. He said the evidence of ingrained sinfulness is apparent everywhere in acts of violence in the mistreatment of the vulnerable, and in the greed built into the economic systems. I mean, really, all one has to do is watch the news for five minutes, and uh, you would agree with Reinhold Niebuhr right there, especially in light of Las Vegas and everything else that's going on. But he went on to conclude that even human beings' greatest accomplishments are inevitably tainted by the sin of pride and self-interest. He said out of the pulpit at St. George's Church, he said, the problem is not just that humans commit sinful acts, but that they are by nature sinful. Now, this wasn't Niebuhr's idea at all. This was the Bible's, and uh, he got this from the Bible. And the Bible makes it perfectly clear right from about the third chapter the third chapter of the book of Genesis, it makes it perfectly clear that we as human beings are not morally neutral. We're not basically good. Rather, it tells us that our hearts are foolish and they have been darkened. Our thoughts are continually evil, and our minds actually on their own are ignorant of the things of God as we go groping around, self-intoxicated by our own self-righteousness. Now, how's this for a motivational sermon today, you know? You know, have an awesome day. Uh, your best life now. But anyway, um, but you need to understand this in order to understand what is going on here at Calvary St. George's and what we're about theologically. To really grasp, you've got to understand this view of anthropology in order to understand what we're doing and actually why you should pledge to Calvary St. George's. Now, religiously and historically speaking... Every culture has some sort of sacrificial system in order to do with the problems, with, with its problems and sins. This is known as atonement. Humanity across the board has recognized that it owes their God, even if that God is the self, just take a look at North Korea today, but even if that God is the self, we owe that God something in order to satisfy his, her, its demand for perfection or at least to appease our failures to be perfect. Every system has this. However, the Bible, you see, when it paints its picture of anthropology, 
The Bible makes it clear that my problem is really that bad. And kind of my just finding the strength to deal with my problems, tapping an inner light, you know, being well-disciplined, centering myself, that's all good. I was actually talking to someone about this this morning, and uh, I was talking about how, you know, I can kind of go and I can, uh, you know, get myself kind of straightened out for a little bit. I can untie the knot, and then it snaps back. And that's because, you know, all the centering of myself, it doesn't deal with how actually big the problem is in my life. Whether it's becoming a better person, whatever it is, it's actually not radical enough to solve my massive problem called human sin. And so the Bible teaches that what all of humanity needs is not just kind of a brush up, you know, but rather what we need is a work outside of ourselves to save us. What we actually need is what's called atonement. We need to atone for it, that which is demanded, which is perfection, but we can't provide it on our own. And so this is my first point. As Christians, we do not have a high view of ourselves and humanity. As a matter of fact, it's inversely related. The higher your view of humanity, the lower your view of Jesus naturally is and your need for him. But so we don't have a high view of humanity because of this, as Christians, we actually believe and confess that we need a radical solution for our atonement. What we need ultimately is a mediator and a savior. Now, this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the Jews were, and many still are, looking for a mediator and a a savior who was known as the Messiah. Who, the one who will set all things right. And as this mediator, he was required to fulfill three specific roles. He was supposed to be a prophet, he was supposed to be a priest, and he was supposed to be a king. And the confession that Jesus was the Messiah, our only mediator and advocate, that he fulfilled these three roles, that he was the truth, the way, and the life, goes right to the very beginnings of the church. Do not believe the nonsense on PBS that Jesus' divinity came about a bit later, you know, or was made up. The truth is, is that the apostles had absolutely nothing to gain by professing Jesus as Lord. Rather, what was revealed to them and what they had received was actually a profound and divine revelation. It was counterintuitive, this idea that we make our way up to God. This was counterintuitive that God actually makes his way down to us. And that on the cross, in this brutal act of execution, God did something glorious for us all in Jesus Christ. He became not only the fulfillment of Judaism, all the law and the prophets, but he would become the world's mediator as well. And most importantly, he would become your mediator and advocate and savior as well. He becomes your atonement in your life. And so as our prophet, Christ speaks the word of God and is the full revelation of God the man. As he told Thomas at the Last Supper in our reading today, he says... Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. As our king in the line of Judah, in the line of David, he demonstrates his reign through his death, resurrection, and ascension, where he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's placed all the enemies of God's people at his feet. And it's so more, so much more than just the Philistines, the Lamanites, the Nephites, the Hittites, everybody else. Rather, it is sin, death, and the devil. 
And as our priest, and this relates directly to his role as our mediator, he has by his sacrificial death atoned for all of our sins and has redeemed us, making us all, Jew and Greek, a new people. This is my second point. Jesus, in his work on the cross, is our prophet. He is our priest. And he is our king. He becomes the way, the truth, and the life, saving us from ourselves and our attempts of being better. And by his death and resurrection, he makes us. Whether you see it or not, he makes us brand spanking new. So as our only mediator, you see, Jesus in his life and death represents for humanity both the perfection which is demanded by God from us and the perfection which we now offer unto God. Now that sounds pretty amazing and highfalutin. However, what does this mean when the rubber hits the road in your life? Because the truth is, is that's what Christianity is ultimately interested in. Not your speculations about rice farmers way off in the middle of nowhere, but where it hits you right here and right now. Well, here's the thing, two things you've got to understand for it to hit you right now. The first thing is, is that Jesus is so much more than just your example. So often I have heard it said that the Christ story, and for the record, whenever you hear the person, person use the word Christ story, reach for your theological holster. But I've heard it said so many times that the Christ story, that Jesus is the ultimate example of generosity and sacrifice and just a wonderful example for all of us. And while this is true, Jesus is more than just your example. Let me tell you. And it also means that Jesus is so much more than your energizing force to live a victorious life. And that somehow we now move in this resurrection power to change the world and we're going to usher in the kingdom of God and invite Jesus to join us at the end of the age. You know? While he is your example and you do live in Christ's victory, this quickly, when this is emphasized, example in Christus Victoris is the main things, it turns Christianity into a big meaningless abstraction. That's what it does. And this is not what we want to do at Calvary St. George's, and this is why your pledge with us is so important. Let me tell you where it hits the road in my life. I mean, I've been trying to follow Jesus Jesus' example for a long time. And I break down all the time. I still cannot walk on water. Or, what in my life, what if I'm not experiencing victory? What if you're like me, and most of the time you're not victorious, but you're filled with a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration? How does this perfect victorious example speak to my life and speak to my pain? Well, this is where we need the God that St. Saint, uh, Saint, uh, Paul wrote about in Philippians. Who, although he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, humbled himself in obedience to point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above all names, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father in heaven. You see, when Christ is truly your mediator, the cross 
is our only theology. Full stop. For Christ as our mediator speaks to us right at the gut. And it says, just think for five seconds about how you handled a previous situation that turned out to be a total disaster. The discussion you had with your spouse that just totally tanked. And now you're sleeping on other sides of the bed, other sides of the apartment, whatever it is. That thing that you thought you had a handle of at work and it was actually became a huge mess and is now completely out of your control. That moment in college where you decided to become a liberal arts major and all of your friends went on to be business majors and now they're making tons of money and here you are, you know? Or that moment you went on to be a business major instead of an arts major and now you've got all the money in the world and your life is empty and it's meaningless. I was talking to a parent the other day with grown children and that conversation you had with your child where you thought you were actually just being firm, you actually don't even remember the conversation. But the child now has said that caused the hugest trauma in their life and you sit there and you regret it every day. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is the gospel. And this is what we proclaim every Sunday, day in and day out out of this church. It's the only reason these doors are open. Is because God meets us right there. Not simply as example, not simply as victorious living, but as my mediator and my savior. And this is my third point. Whatever it is, Christ as our only mediator reminds us that God in the interest of both justice and mercy has stepped into history. He's not an abstraction that you need to figure out, but he has taken on flesh and has taken on all of those disasters and all of those messes in the world like Las Vegas, but also in the existential crisis of your life. All the judgment, fear, guilt, and shame. And he's taken it off of you and he's placed it on himself. And this is important because the gap between who I am and who I so desperately want to be is that huge and it is that real. And Christ is our only mediator. He takes all of that abstraction, all of the guesswork, because if there were 30 ways to heaven, I'd want 32. But he's given us one He's taken all the guesswork out of it and he comes right into the mess of your life. And that word made flesh says to you through the gospel, come unto me all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. For I am your only mediator and I am with you to the very ends of the age. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.